Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show, episode 108. How are you doing? Oh my God, fact of the day. Let's just get right into it. Did you ever wonder why spam was called spam? I did. I don't know why. I was in the supermarket the other day and they had spam on sale. And I just thought, that still exists? Who's buying that? Who? And I looked it up. Spam is called spam because it's for spiced ham. You know what? I didn't also realize that they invented spam because um, in World War II, they needed the uh, soldiers to have some sort of protein that would, you know, not uh, not be perishable. So that's the reason for spam. And let me tell you something. I ran into my ex-husband like, eh, it was a while ago. It was like a year ago. I didn't run in. I think we were maybe doing like a, a, a the, the child exchange or something. I don't know. But um, he had stopped at the supermarket and I looked in the supermarket and he had a little block of Hormel ham. And I said, what do you do with that? And he said, oh, he was like making it like, I think like a carbonara or something. And I was like, with Hormel ham? Who am I to judge? You know, it, and, and by the way, and we really shouldn't judge because there's a huge article in the New York Times from last weekend about the millennials and how how much they are financially struggling. And I can't even begin to tell you people. I mean, you know, you're in the supermarkets, you know. But if you don't live in the city, let me tell you something. I went to get ice cream the other day and it was $13 a cone, $13. You know what? You could keep it. What does that cost you, 20 cents? When I was a kid, ice cream was from the truck was $1. My boyfriend told me when he was a kid, it was like 50 cents. And this wasn't out of the truck. This was at, you know, some, one of these gourmet stores. But $13 for a cone? No wonder why every person is saying that they have no money. So you know what? I'm not judging if you're buying ham, spam, hormel, whatever the hell you're doing, instead of, uh, well, what's the, what is it? Uh, what, what is the ham that you make the uh, carbonara? You know, I don't even know. Forget it. Anyway, moving right along. Did I tell you I made a lemon blackberry pound cake? <clears throat> I feel like that sounds so fancy. It really was a lemon pound cake. And I decided, and it called for sour cream. I didn't have sour cream. So I replaced it with Greek yogurt because you could do that replacement. And uh, it said if you wanted to put like blueberries optional, I didn't have blueberries. So I put blackberries and here's that thing. It was okay. It sounds fancier than it was. So I'm not sharing the recipe. There's no point. I'm I'm going to do it again because I like I like the idea of a lemon blackberry pound cake. <clears throat> For some reason when I order my groceries on Instacart. You know, if you don't if they don't have something in stock, excuse me. <clears throat> if they don't have something in stock, you'll you can note refund my money. But sometimes you get these fugazi shoppers and they just decide to, I don't know, like replace things on their own. So sometimes I'll put blueberries or strawberries and they'll send me blackberries. What the hell am I doing with blackberries? I mean, am, am, am I British? I mean, I guess kind of in some ways by default, the only maybe British person by default that has this accent. But um, I do get blackberries kind of often because of the Instacart shoppers. Uh, and I like them. I do, they, you know, sometimes they're a little taut, little taut. So I could make blackberry jam, but I never have enough to quite do that. So I thought, yeah, let me throw it into a pound cake. Let me be, let me be like good old barefoot, you know? That's something barefoot would make, right? Lina Garden. By the way, she lives in an absolutely fabulous apartment building. I think it's in the East 70s. Um, I think it's like East 77th or something, or maybe it's East 76th. But I was walking by years ago with a friend 
and he's gay, you know, and of course, not, 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 okay. And not to say, because you're only Ina fans if you're gay, but you know, the, 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 the gays, they love Ina, you know, and I don't blame them. I also love Ina, but I'm also probably a lady that has like, that, that's really like man, like I'm a, probably a drag queen. That's probably masked as like a, 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 a atom, atomically real woman. But anyway, he said, hey, Elise. And I said, what? And he said, Ina lives here. And I was like, oh, Ina Gordon. And she lives on Buell Lane in East Hampton. I mean, I'm so, you know what, Ina? I'm, I don't even, you know, I don't know why I just said what your street was. I don't even know how I know that, but I do. Friends in the business, you know what I'm saying? But I, um, but her apartment building on the Upper East Side is a beautiful apartment building. So Natch, when I was looking to buy my apartment, I obviously was like, I'm only buying in Ina's building. <laughs> Not because I am some rabid fan, because it has like a Tudor look. I love the look of Tudors. I love like the dark architecture. I just love it. I don't like, I don't like being in an apartment and it's dark. Because I wound up buying an apartment that not in the building, by the way, I could only afford uh, nothing, nothing in her apartment building. That's what I was able to afford in the Barefoots apartment building in Manhattan. But I, when I went, when I wound up buying my apartment, if you're watching on YouTube, it looks like, cause you know, I film obviously from my living room, um, it looks like my apartment is light, but it's not, it doesn't really have a lot of light. And because my inherent style is a la Winter Bunny, I have a lot of dark colors and all that. So eh, I still wound up getting a dark apartment is basically what I'm telling you. I mean, you can't have it all. My boyfriend and I were driving around the city the other day, the weekend, and he was like, oh my God, I love Manhattan when, uh, you know, in the summer when nobody's around. And I was like, really? I love it too. But you know what I love more? Being at the beach. Thank you. Being at the beach. But I do, but I do love an empty city. And uh, he, you know, he was like pointing out buildings and apartment buildings that he liked. Because that's what every New Yorker does. Like who needs porn when you can have real estate porn? You know what I'm saying? And I said to him, you know, I was like, it's funny. He, I said, when... I feel like when you go and buy an apartment, like you, you start like hacking things off the list, you know, like once you realize what your budget is and what your money can actually get um, in in real estate. And I was like, you know, it's kind of like guys, like you kind of like, you got like tall, dark and handsome, definitely a multimillionaire, maybe baby billionaire, definitely a yacht, definitely a few summer houses, you know, in all the, the South fancies, South of France, South of Italy, you know. Florida. And, uh, and I said, and then you realize you're not going to get that. So you're like, nah, I'll settle. You know what? You know what sounds good right now? A New York sanitation worker pension. That sounds mm, gorgeous. Like, you know, you know, you know how we do that kind of settling us ladies. It's the same thing with New York real estate. So of course I was like, I want a backyard. I want three bedrooms, two bathrooms, washer and dryer laundry. I mean, hilarious. Like I got none of that. Not only did I get none of that, I also got a dark apartment with, I got a sliver of sky, like in, in true Barbara Streisand, a piece of sky. What is the song where she said a piece of sky? What song is that? I don't know. Anyway, moving right along, I got the creepiest message on Facebook or no, no, not Facebook. Cause I don't really use Facebook. I got the creepiest message on Instagram. You're going to die. <sighs> Sky emails me. See, this is exactly why you have to be careful what you put, you put on the web. 
this total stranger messages me. And uh, first of all, he had a big following. He had like, I don't know, like 900,000 followers or something. Good for you. So he messages me and he says, hey, Elise. He said, uh, we don't know each other, but I found you on TikTok. And I... Um, I was I was looking for Italian American TikTok creators or or Instagram creators because I'm trying to film wait for this you are really going to die I'm trying to film a reality show and the concept of my show is that I live with a family an Italian American family for a couple of weeks and I soak up the culture would you be open to this <laughs> You want to live with me First of all, you're a freaking complete stranger. Even if we were friends, I wouldn't have you sleep over for two weeks. I'd be like, look, two nights is fine. And then I'm moving you over to the plaza. I mean, and no, I don't really send my friends to the plaza. But you know what I'm saying? What fuck the bill? Yeah. Complete stranger is finding Italian-American social media. According to him, he is locating Italian-American social media creators so he can move in with them. For two, first of all, he'll move in. He'll never move the hell out. And two, what are you, the social media killer? I kick off it, but I say TikTok killer. And then, you know, you get a lawsuit slapped on your front door. But And that's what he says. That's what he said. First of all, I'm reading this to my boyfriend, you know, and the both of us, you know how, you know how Italians are, you know, the both of us were like, this guy's a a serial killer to the umpt degree. Like this guy's not trying to film a reality show. He's, he's, he's Ted Bundy. Like, like he's like the Craigslist killer. He's worse. He's like, that's the lie. That's the lie he tells us, right? That's the lie he tells us. I'm filming a little reality show and I have 900,000 followers and I I just, you know, I want a big fan. So I just thought maybe it's like, yeah, who the fuck you go ahead, go message every Italian American social media person because you're going to see the real from the fake real fast, buddy. Because the real Italians, we're, they're going to be like, okay, now we get an extra deadbolt on the door, okay? Because now you, now, now I get a door and then another door and then bolt, 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 little door lock. Because now you think that there's a crazy person on the loose. Maybe the faux Italians, they might say, sure, come on over. Never, never. You know, and I want to say something. I think that this is an important segue-ish, but same topic. I think this is a, an important I, time out. Okay, I don't know why. Okay, I'm like rubbing my nose. This is so not professional. I don't know why my nose is running. Like, I, I hope it's not monkeypox. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not not on wood. Do I? I, have, I got wood. Okay, okay. No, I haven't been exposed to monkeypox, but I did hear that it gets. Um, transmitted mostly in the gay communities, the gay men, sexually transmitted. I don't know if that's true or not. I've got to look into it. Anyway, mm, how to have a sip of coffee. So I think it's an important thing to talk to uh, kids about. I have to talk to my kids about it, that they know not to talk to strangers and all that kind of stuff. But um, they know like not to engage with people online. You know, they do know that even though they are seven and six, but, um, oh my God, eight and six. Oy, oy, oy. You see what happens when you're a mother, you're so tired, you get your own kid's age just mixed up. How old your kid? Seven. No, no, mommy, I'm eight. Oh yes, you're eight. What's your name again? Anyway, so um, I have to tell them that as they get old, you know, I, I'll have to remind them as they get older that some people 
could be pretend to be other people. Like this guy, it's 900,000 followers. Yeah, you bought them, guy. Okay, maybe something like that. And then kids, they don't understand. They, they think there's this allure with being a, they're like my kids, like this called a YouTube star. I have to have these conversations with people. If somebody engages with you, it's no longer the man in the van, maybe with the puppies and the candy. I mean, yes, that does that still does exist, but it might be now the 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 guy or the girl that has this massive social media following and is like, hey, we love your content. Like we want to be friends. You know, that's the new, that's the new man in the white van. You know what I'm saying? And I think we have to pr- protect those kids from that kind of stuff. Um someone should be talking about that. Is there people there talking about that? I don't know. I'm gonna have to look it up. Okay. Live with me. I can't even. Okay. Guess who's out of Broadway? Beanie, Beanie of Funny Girl. Have we not talked about that? Listen, I talked about her a couple episodes and I got to be honest with you. Quick recap, Funny Girl, first time on Broadway since Barbara Streisand did it in the 60s. Beanie Feldstein took the stage as the lead. Jane Lynch played, who coached me, by the way, in voiceover. Jane Lynch played uh, the mother, Barbara Streisand's mother, Fanny Bryce's mother. Funny Girl is based on the the story of Fanny Bryce, actress, comedian, singer out of Brooklyn. Uh, The best movie ever. Like you got to see the movie, Barbara Streisand, Omar Sharif, but hits Broadway. I saw it first week for the previews. Of course, I've been waiting since 1964 for this. No, that's not when I was born. However, I'm diehard fan. I went to the show. I bought all the merch. I bought snacks. I brought snacks. I was like throwing good and plenties at people. I was so excited. And then I saw the performance and I could, you know, and then I did the podcast like the week after. And I was just like, I, what kind of woman, what kind of entertainer, performer, artiste would I be if I get on the mic and I start saying, oh, Beanie, what? She wasn't that great. I couldn't do that because. Maybe she had nerves. Maybe this, it wasn't her first rodeo, but maybe she had nerves. I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't speak openly about how subpar I thought her performance was. Who the hell am I to judge, right? Come on. But my boyfriend who's in the business, you know, he's in every business, but he's in this business. He's mainly in this business. And uh, he said to me, do not talk about that. Don't talk about that. You never know when you'll work with her. Her brother is Jonah Hill. You'll never know if you work with Jonah Hill. You never know if you'd be on Broadway. Do not talk about that, Elise. It, it, it's, it's not cool. And so I, I downplayed it. But then rumors started coming out that Beanie wasn't showing up for, for, for performances. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit and be silent on the podcast with you, my girlfriend's listening. Absolutely not. So I predicted that we, she would probably leave. And lo and behold, She's out, Julie Benko, understudying, stepping in. And guess who is replacing her? I can't tap myself on the shoulder enough. Did the little tap, tap. Leah Michelle in September. Leah Michelle is taking over the role of uh, uh, Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. I definitely will see it again. I know it's going to be fabulous. Um, Leah Michelle, I love her. I've loved her on Glee. I love Jane Lynch on Glee. There were some rumors about her politically or something like this. I don't give a shit. I'm able to separate. I'm always able. I, I feel like I have a, a, the very Libra quality, I, the scales. I'm able to separate things. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't care about your politics, right? Because I'm a human being. I read and all this stuff, but I can appreciate the art. 
and lean. I, I don't know what 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 even side she's on. But people are like, oh, she's so political. Oh, she's saying all these terrible things. I don't even know what she's saying. I literally don't. I don't read the news about Leah Michelle. I don't read TMZ and Perez Hilton. It's not like my thing. I, you know, I read the newspaper. I just can't wait to see this doll play Fanny Bryce. She knows, like me, she knows every lyric of Barbara Streisand's song. She knows all the words to the movie. And when you have that passion for something, you're just inherently going to do good. That's just how it goes. So cannot wait. Speaking of politics, Ivana Trump died, obviously, you know. Um, Sad. She was young. She was like, what was she? 73, 74, she fell down the stairs or something or went into cardiac arrest before, after. I don't know if you know about this, but she lived on East 64th Street between 5th and Madison. That is like the Russian billionaire block of New York City. There is a guy, look it up, East 64th, type in Russian billionaire like an East 64th Street. There is a guy that lives on that block, Russian billionaire. I think he's part of, uh, he's like a founder of an aluminum company. He bought a townhouse for $90 million, $90 million. I, I can't even, I can't even count that high. But, you know, the thing is, the thing is about Ivana Trump um, that I like is, again, and I don't know politics, nothing, but she comes from the New York era of glamour. Okay. And that is not around anymore. It's just, it's dead. Right now, I like to think that it's on hiatus. I like to think that right now, the Gen Z style is so hideous with sweatpants and logo t-shirts and logo trucker hats, whatever it is. Not my cup of tea. Little short dresses with chunky white, you know, horrible sneakers. I like to think that the old school, old world glamour of beehives and jewels and gowns, I like to think that that's on hiatus. People think it's not coming back. Of course, pandemic and obviously styles evolve, but mm, I don't know about that. I think glamour is glamour and it will come back. I love that kind of style. Ivana Trump, in my opinion, was so stylish. Um, I loved the French twist swept up hair. I loved all the suits. Um, the power suits, the jewelry. And, and you know, uh, Dennis Basso is a furrier. He's a, you know, a, a celebrity furrier in Manhattan. And uh, he has a store in the fur district. And, 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 and you've probably seen his name around in Vogue and whatnot. Anyway, he, he you know, he, Ivana was known for wearing the chinchillas and this and that. And he, you know, and he, drapes her and all this, you know, stuff and, and yeah, Peter, Peter, whatever. But it, it, I'm not saying that real far is right. Okay. But what I am saying is that she was just, she was so glamorous. Like every time you saw Ivana in the news, in the eighties, in the nineties, even, even now, you knew her look was not going to disappoint. You knew she had makeup on the lips, the whole thing. And I, I, I love it. I love it. That is a part of New York that is not alive now. That kind of um, ladies who lunch, designing women, Zelta Burke, shoulder pads, a nice blazer, maybe cinched at the waist, a little toe cleavage. It's gone. It's going to come back. I'm convinced it's going to come back. And um, what was I going to say about that? She she was really almost like a greed is good type of a uh, type of gal, which I don't agree with. But there was an opulence, right? There was an opulence to uh, her, and I. I, I love that. So um, 
said, Ivana, um, I hope that her style legacy lives on and uh, people will probably not be talking about that. We probably will not see some uh, of spread in, you know, whatever magazine or newspaper uh, devoted to her style because of Trump and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Ivana Trump, the bigger, the better. Mm. What a character. I love that. Trying to buy new sheets. That's, that's, that's hilarious. My, my fancy friends are like, oh, you got to get Matuke, get Matuke. I'm like, okay. I go to Bloomingdale's, look at the sheets. Matuke sheets. You know, the, the, you know, when you're buying fancy sheets, they come like one sheet per package, you know? <laughs> the second you see one something per package, you already know it's going to be expensive. But they're very, listen, it's a sumptuous linen. It's very nice. It's just like, I don't have $1,500 to spend on new bedding. So I've opted for Cuddle Down, which is my go-to. They're uh, sateen, cotton sateen. It's not, there's no polyester in it, but it's, that's the sheet. I'm always looking for new sheets. And I see Eve Delorme, um, Deport Ho, which is on uh, Park Avenue in the 60s gorgeous prints for sheets, um, just sumptuous bath towels. But again, these sheets at that store, oh my God, like $2,000. I, you know, $3,000. I can't, I can't even. I, first of all, on a really terrible night, I, I like maybe could have the occasional snack in bed. Not like what you're thinking. Like I'm not eating full on brownie, but like maybe a cracker. You know what? And you take the bite of the cracker and you... You suck it out, you know, so the, you know that there's no gonna, there's not gonna be any crummage, you know. I don't know. So remember how we talked about the uh, poor, poor mom um, that was shot outside of the school in Manhattan, uh, you know, and her little three-month-old baby, you know, while she was pushing the stroller. I obviously can't get over that, but you know what else I can't get over? is the fact that uh, last weekend, my kids told me that daddy told them about that story. And I was like, what? And my little one, Vivi, she's like uh, telling me, daddy told me that there was a girl pushing her baby in a baby stroller and some man came over and shot her and she died. And Vivian looked at me and her eyes like welled up. Like she's very sensitive, my youngest daughter. And she eyes like welled up and she was like, oh my God, like I would be so sad if that happened uh, to you, mommy, but I guess we would still have daddy. And I was like, yeah, of course. And God forbid. And um, here's the thing. What the hell are you doing, Paulie the Tooth, telling our children about a mother that was shot pushing Hashola? I don't know what in God's name this guy thinks is that like that's okay. First of all, let me tell you something. Okay. I, I don't know what the right thing to do is. I'm genuinely asking you, what do you think the right thing to do is? What would you do? Have you told your kids about this horror show? Look, every morning I get the New York Post. The cover of the newspaper is completely triggering. My daughters, they they open the door in the morning and they see all kinds of horror on the front of the newspaper. Um I'm trying to cancel the subscription. I don't know what the problem is. They're like not letting me cancel it. It's like, it's like, it's like the mob. Like I can't get out. And I, they see, they know that there's bad in the world. They know that there are, there's bad things that happen. They know that mommy and daddy shield them, but mommy and daddy protect them. They know that we protect them. They know they trust us, only stay with us, only listen to us. 
blah, blah, blah. But telling them about a, a crazy killer running around in the streets of the, 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 the city that they live in, killing a mom in front of the tiny baby is, is, is completely like, it's like, it's like shell shock them. Like they can't handle that. Okay. And that's, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And most people, and this is where my co-parenting is shitty with my ex, because most people will say, well, you got to talk to your ex-husband. You got to make sure that you're on the same page about that kind of stuff. You can't talk to the kids about that kind of triggering stuff. These kids, they're going to be anxious to, like, they're going to be anxious and near medication at 10 years old. I can't handle that. But my my co-parenting is not good with my ex when it comes to this stuff because he doesn't want to take criticism on that. He believes that kids should know everything. You should tell them everything. And you could talk to them about it and make, and you know, we, we talk about it and we discuss it and we talk about feelings and make the decisions. And I do agree with that kind of stuff. You have to talk to the kids about mostly everything. Like, you know, when my daughter's friend is saying that her pronouns are they and them, and then later in dinner, you know, they're like, what is they and them? I have to explain that. Well, some people make a choice if they're a boy or a girl. I have to explain that. Fine. But telling them about the shooting and the tragedy, should that, like, that's scary. You know, um, I grew up with my grandmother always just telling us the worst the worst possible thing. I've I've joked about it on stage. You know, I, I do bits about it on stage. I talk about it online sometimes. But my grandmother and my mom, it was like the worst. It was like they put the fear of God in us, you know? Lock the doors, lock the doors. Like, you never know. Somebody will come. Oh my God. Oh my. Now, I know that this comes from a place of love. I know that this comes from a place of protection. I know this comes from because they were scared. You know, they're scared. They've had experiences that scare them, but they pass that anxiety and fear on to me. And I grew up just freaking paranoid, like just totally paranoid, always looking over my shoulder, always thinking somebody's out to get me, always thinking the worst, always like double thinking, like what does somebody do for a living? You know, my father, he owned an import export trucking company. I didn't even really know what he did my what my whole life really. I mean, the name of the company changed a lot. The phone numbers changed a lot. I, like I don't know if he was here for wise. I don't know what you know what I'm saying. But uh, I was always paranoid. You know, I would be like, "Oh, mom, I want to go down. I want to go to de- work with daddy today." You know, maybe in the summertime, I'm like, "Don't go. Don't the terrible people down there." You know, it would be in Brooklyn. I would be in Red Hook when Red Hook was bad. It was like uh, the the anxiety. Do you know how exhausting it is to grow up like that as a child? I really have mental problems from it. I mean, like, I'm not kidding when I say that. Um, you, We have to be so careful what we tell the kids. They're like little freaking sponges. And my ex-husband grew up in the rolling hills and valleys of beautiful bird singing, bread baking, you know, United Kingdom, you know, where there's a fairy princess that lives in a fucking castle. Like he has nothing to worry about. You know, he had nothing for the most part, knock on wood. He had nothing to worry. Maybe his biggest fear was I, was mom buying him the sneakers that all of his kids had. You know what I'm saying? All the kids in the class had something like that. But when I was growing up, I didn't grow up rough. I didn't grow up like totally rough on the streets, you know, whatever. But, but I had a neighbor in Staten Island, a father that 
one day just decided to shoot his whole family. You know, I was, uh, how old was I, 12 or 11? I mean, that's fucking scary. So it, again, oh, and of course that, 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 ups, that ups the anxiety with the family, you know? I'll never forget that, by the way. It was 12 years, I was uh, 11, 12. It was a Sunday around 11.30. And my mom was getting me and my sister ready to go to church. And my father was on the roof fixing something on the roof. And, and, and we heard like all these, like, 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 bang, bang, bang. bang. We had no idea what it was. My father just, he like got down from the roof really fast and and came in the house. It was like, everybody stay in the house. There's a gun. There's someone shooting something. You know, my father had a ton of guns and he was a hunter. I don't know if that's connected to the import export thing. Not my, not me to draw any lines, but, um, you know, we didn't go to church that day and it was obviously wound up being this this mass murder on the block. And it was horrifying. And, um, and I was scared, you know, and I just grew up scared like that, you know? And I think as a parent, you, you have to like, really like think for a second, like before you tell your kids, like what's going on. I mean, obviously something like that, when they're seeing the the news and, and all this stuff, you know, they, they're obviously seeing that with a commotion, you know? Anyway, you have, you know, that you have to tell them. But the baby, the lady pushing the baby in the stroll, I mean, really? Really? I mean, I can't, I, I, I said, he's like, well, what happens if their friends at school say something to them? Yes. Okay. You have a point then. If their friends at school say, mommy, this ter- or daddy, this terrible thing happened. And, you know, little, little Samantha told me at school, can you tell me if that, that happened? Then yes, we have to address it. Right. But it shouldn't. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Is the conversation, sometimes there's bad people in the world and they do bad things. I mean, I think that's always part of that conversation. I don't know. I just don't want my kids growing up like anxious, paranoid, half depressed, like their mother. And I'm totally functioning. Thank you to medication. But you know what I'm saying? Anyway. I met a girl at um, a show months ago, months ago, like, like over a year ago, lady, older girl. Uh, she was in her fifties and she was trying stand up comedy in New York. She was in town. She always wanted to do it. And I said, and I didn't know that, you know, and she went on stage and she spoke for like five minutes and she was really funny. So I told her, I said, Oh my God. I said, listen, I was like, I think you're, you know, you're a funny girl. Like, and when I say really funny, I mean like not like polished comedy funny. Like she, you know, she was, I don't know if she was like living room funny, kitchen table funny, but she she was she was funny, you know, like or stage funny. I don't know, but so uh, I said, you know, I think you should stay with us. I said, look, I've been doing this six years. That's not terribly long, but I think you should give it a try. This girl, she really took my opinion seriously. She she stuck with it, and uh, she she it was all the little confidence that she needed, and she wound up coming back to New York this past month. And she lived here for a month and she just did stand up and shows, whatever she could get, you know, mic, open mics, whatever little things she could get on. And, um, and she wanted to say, you know, she said, oh, thank you. Like that I, you know, helped her stay with it and blah, blah, you know, encouraged her, not helped her, encouraged her. And I said, you, it's, this is like hard, you know, but I said, if it's something you really want to do, you got to just put your mind to it and do it, you know? And, um, and she was like, yeah, yeah. Then she calls me. 
like a week ago. And she's like, luckily, she's like, I just want to be honest with you. I tried it. I gave it a go. Like, I don't really think I'm cut out. Like I'm 54 years old. I don't think I'm cut out to like sit in shows with like 25 year old kids and hear dick jokes and, and, and all this stuff. I don't think that's for me. Thanks for all your encouragement, but you know what? I'm going to go. So I said, I'm going to go back home. So I said to her, look, I was like, at the end of the day, that's your personal opinion. If you want to do that, you have to, it's a personal decision. If you want to do that, you have to do what's best for your life. I said, but if you really believe that this is something you should be doing, if this is something that you always had a little burning desire, if it's something you want to explore, I think you might've just had a bad set, which we all do. You know, I think you might've just heard some stuff in a show that you didn't like, you know? And, um, and she, 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 you know, fought me like on it. I don't really care because it's so bad. I don't even know her. I don't even know her. She's like, oh no, it's not for me. All right, fine. Go home. What the hell do I care? I was just trying to be decent person. But then she came back to me like the next day. And she was like, look, okay, I'm actually going to stick with it. Thank you. You know, and I, I, here's the thing. I said, I understand what you're saying about wanting to try something, you try it, and then you see something horrible about the the, the new stand-up comedy thing and uh, you want to be out. I said, I understand. But I said, but I, I'm a mom. I'm almost 40. I said, I, I, especially lately, especially as I get older, I'm getting older. There's more times than not that I want to be home with my family and my kids and, um, you know, celebrate amazing things, just the daily kind of occurrences, whatever. And we do do that. But I've had a calling. I told her, I said, I've had a calling to do stand-up comedy. I, I had a calling to, to, to get on stage and talk to people. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And the reason why I, I did that. And I, when I say to talk to people, I don't mean talk well and I also had the calling to write. I've always been a writer, right? I've always been a writer forever. Like since high school, I was writing food columns. I was the high school poetry magazine editor. Like I was always doing tons of things, right? By the way, my first column in high school, my first published column was a food column and it was called Tastes Like Butter. Just, just to let you know, I was the resident restaurant reviewer at my high school. But anyway, so I, I told her, I said, um, I had this calling. And when I had this calling, it was when I was married and I was really struggling. And I, um, it wasn't only just struggling in the marriage. I was, uh, you know, when I was an executive uh, at a big, great uh, company and I was making five times the amount of money my husband was making and I was supporting the family and I was working 12 hours a day. And I had two children within 17 months planned, um, which resulted in two C-sections. And I was on overkill and my marriage was tanking and I just thought I could do it all. I was like, I'm a power mom. I could do this, whatever. And I, uh, and I broke down and I had a real nervous breakdown because within a few short years, uh, like it was like my father died. My mother had some like mini nervous breakdown, like when he died. And then she kind of had like another mini breakdown when I had my second daughter because I was like desperate for help. And she was just, I don't know, like checked out. Um, I, 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 I lost my job. My marriage fell apart. Like I had just so much, so many giant taxing life events happen in the span of like 18 months, two years kind of thing. 
And I felt so alone. I felt so alone. And I also felt alone. I told this girl. And I also felt alone when I uh, was even just, forget the mom and the dad stuff. I even felt alone when I was an executive at this company and I was pregnant and I felt like people were like staring at me and treating me different. And I had to deal with all this kind of like, you know, almost discrimination stuff. Um, and I can't really get into it for too many reasons, but uh, like legal reasons, but I, it was just, I just felt so alone. And I also felt alone in the fact that I was earning, out earning my husband by so much and my friends didn't have that experience. And I just felt like I wanted a friend, right? I wanted somebody that I could relate to. And then furthermore, when the pandemic happened and the world shut down and now, and you know, and, and then I'm divorced and I'm, you know, and, and, and here I'm doing comedy and then there's no stages to go on. I was like, fuck that. I need to go on, on the internet. I need to, you know, go on TikTok, internet, like as if I'm a thousand. I need to go on TikTok. I need to do a podcast. I need to talk to women because there are women out there that also feel alone and everybody needs a friend and everybody wants that friend that they can relate to because you want to know what life isn't like what people post about. Okay. People want to hear about what you bought in Costco. People want to hear about real stuff. People want to hear like, how did this person buy their apartment in Manhattan? How did they save money to do that? How did this girl become this big executive on Wall Street? How did she go to Harvard and what? People want, true, people want to know that. And I'm just a regular girl, just like you. We we all grew up in this. My family didn't come from tons of money. I didn't grow up like Meadow Soprano, Mafia Fall like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just felt alone and I wanted women to feel less alone. And I felt like I had a calling to talk to other women. Okay. And I didn't, I, and, and some days I still don't even know what I'm going to talk about or what I'm doing, but I thought that if we could come together, talk about common, similar issues, make each other laugh, right? If I could make you laugh and make you just get away from you on, you know, you're come to my show. If we, if I can make you laugh for just a few moments, and you could take take yourself out of your own head. How amazing is that? Because you know what? That's what I wanted, and that's why I do this. And I told her that, and and I think that that's what made her stick to it. You know, um, or, or whatever. But that's my reason for doing stand up. That's my reason for for doing being in entertainment. I don't give a shit about Instagram models and girls looking all sexy. Like, I I don't give a shit. I do whatever I want to do. I say whatever I want to say. I feel like I have a purpose in this thing. Right. And, um, and I said, that, and that's why I do it. So I said, you have to think, is this a hobby? Is this, is this something you want to really go after? Um, is there a reason were you always just the funny girl in class? Do you just want to try? Because I tried all hobbies. I mean, I was the, I'm a hobby queen. I took upholstery class and watercolor painting and oil painting and interior design and architecture, like all, you know, all throughout living in Manhattan, because why not? These classes were accessible. And this could be just, I said to her, just another sort of class or, um, whatever she takes, you know, things she explores. Right. But I don't know if she winds up being a fabulously wonderful, famous comedian, I guess I could take credit in her come up, but it's, uh, I, I think that my mate, my message is just telling you obviously the, about this girl and how, you know, I, I saw her and I was like, oh, you should stick with it. And I think that building each other up, like in that real way is so important, you know? And I think we should all continue to do that. Again, I'm not preaching to you. I know you people do that. You guys reach out to me all the time and you say, oh my God, I like that episode or this or that. But I just think that we need more of that, you know? Anyway, that's that. So, okay. Product of the week. 
I love crafts. I've said this a million times. I have not tried this yet. So this is like a huge disclaimer. I read online in like the deep bowels of a thread, all these women talking about this amazing craft glue. And I was like, oh, it's probably hot glue. It's probably gorilla glue, like something like that. And and it's not, I have it here. It's called E6000 glue, E6000. I ordered it on Amazon like a week ago. It still didn't come. But apparently it's the the ultimate of ultimate, ultimate of ultimate glues. So that's my product of the week this week. The other thing that a product, and it's not so much a product, wallshop.com. You know, I've said, I've been looking for paper, wallpaper for my kitchen. I, I'm having trouble committing. I know I really want like permanent wallpaper. I don't want to do removable. But wallshop, shop with an E, S-H-O-P-P-E, wallshop.com has like a ton of really cool wallpapers, like modern, more modern wallpapers than like the Cole and Sons and all those kind of brands. And they have like so many amazing removable wallpapers. So I just got some samples of wallpaper from them. You know, I, I don't know what it was like a dollar or four dollars, whatever, something for a small sample, eight by 10. And by the way, can you make the sample bigger? Because who the hell could tell what this looks like on the wall when it's this size of a loose leaf paper? But anyway, I got uh, four different colorways of a uh, 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 floral paper that Sarah Jessica Parker it has her name on. And it's, it's really like cool. It's just like a modern flower print. But anyway, just wanted to put that out there. I know I'm doing wallpaper. You might, like, you, like, you might not be doing the wallpaper, but I just had to put that out there. And my quote of the day for this week is, no pressure, no diamonds. I don't know who said that but I love the quote, without pressure, diamonds aren't made. I'm not going around saying you need to live in a pressure vacuum or I want to do that, but just saying that sometimes when you have pressure or in life, when you go through it, go through things like what I just was telling you before, beautiful things come out of it. That's all I got today. Episode 108, I'm Elise Delucci. Do me a favor, have some of your friends leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or something. I love talking to you. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Love to love you, baby. I'm <laughs> not